This week's Pharmacy Magazine Talking Pharmacy podcast is brought to you by Aronix, Sildenafil 50mg from Dr. Reddy's. Hello everyone and welcome to the Talking Pharmacy podcast where we look at what's been happening in pharmacy over the last week or so. My name is Richard Thomas, editor of Pharmacy Magazine, and joining me on the pod this week are Arthur Walsh, editor of our daily news service, Pharmacy Network News, and Neil Trainis, editor of Independent Community Pharmacist. Rob's dishing out some fellowships today, um, always a nice task, and Helena is away. So first off, uh, a big thanks to, to you, our audience, for continuing to listen and engage with the podcast so enthusiastically on social media. But we've broken our record for listening figures twice in the last fortnight, over 2,000 downloads an episode, which is amazing. Um, Keep listening. We have lots of things planned for you coming up. Uh, But that's enough self-praise. We're recording this in the office in London today, so you may hear the strains of the notorious B.I.G. outside, and that's for our younger listeners. But before we get distracted by all of that, let's start straight away with good week, bad week. Okay, same format as last week. We're each just going to nominate either a good week or a bad week. So, Arthur, is it a good week or a bad week for you and for whom? Well, it's been a bad week for Nikki Kanani. She is NHS England's medical director for primary care and uh, she's a GP herself. Um, She's ticked off a lot of GPs. She's even got a GP pressure group group called GP Survival demanding her resignation, uh, as reported in the national press. A letter last week from her and Ed Waller contained an updated SOP for practices. It told uh, GPs in no uncertain terms that while the remote working practices they've used during the pandemic will still play a role, that's um, telephone and video consultations. Quote, we don't want to see general practice become a totally or even mostly remote service. Another quote, practices should respect preferences for face-to-face care unless there are good clinical reasons to the contrary, uh, for example, the presence of, of COVID symptoms. And they go on to say that if they do uh, carry out remote consultations, uh, clinicians should be confident it will not have uh, a, a negative impact on their ability to offer effective care. And uh, just in case GPs didn't get the message, a lot of these sort of instructions are underlined and in bold. Uh, so it seems to have... You know, ticked off a lot of GPs has been described as a diktat. They say, you know, uh, they've been working tirelessly during the pandemic and seeing many patients face to face, despite the total triage approach that they, they, they've had to use. And they argue that um, anything that's sort of playing up to media reports that GPs have closed their doors and um, and you know leaving patients pulling their hair out trying to trying to get an appointment, which which. Uh, general practice argues is, is not the case. Uh, the Guild of Healthcare Pharmacists has got involved saying this will simply increase demand on already stretched services. They say, you know, uh, the primary care team, which include, includes pharmacists, can be trusted to make appropriate decisions about the best uh, way for patients to be consulted. And that, you know, the the tone of, 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 of a letter like this could have an impact on morale in, in the primary care team. And that seems to be a big issue here. Just the, the, the tone of the letter seems to be misjudged because the I, I guess the actual idea that, you know, that GP practices should perhaps consider uh, expanding their face-to-face care is maybe 
not that <laughs> maybe maybe it's controversial to to GPs, but but to the wider public, or or to, certainly to our readers, we um we ran uh, a story on this last year, and um, we surveyed pharmacists, and many of whom said that their their workload was up as a as a result of you know quote closed door policies or 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 total triage, let's say, and and also they were sort of being asked to do uh or they were being asked to offer care that was beyond their their training sort of you know advising on on cancer possible cancer symptoms or 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 checking lumps that kind of thing and you know and some pharmacists said they were concerned about the impact this could have on patient care um it's hard to know who's in the right here or perhaps it's not a case of anyone being in the right it seems quite a murky situation um I, I can understand why GPs would be ticked off about this, you know, image that they've um, been hiding behind their desks during the pandemic, which, you know, I'm sure is not the case. But um, but also, uh, I guess there are other other voices that um, that 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 we can also consider. Yeah, this is this is becoming the hottest of hot potatoes, isn't it? I mean, we are moving to a mixed model, aren't we? And covid has kind of accelerated that this kind of face-to-face and virtual means of access and you do need to get the balance right you can't deny it's, it is very difficult to get a gp appointment and also like you say arthur pharmacists are dealing with what i've i've called before gp displacement act activity people who can't access their gp for whatever reason and are coming to pharmacists with a, a different set of problems than, than pharmacists are usually having to deal with um unremunerated by the way so it it is a problem and and, and that letter has certainly has certainly got people going um Neil, what, what what did you make of of this? Well, I had a degree of sympathy for general practice last year when, when this cropped up. Um, yes, we all want to see GPs available face to face. Of course, we do. You know, for obvious reasons. Um, but I felt at the time last year, if, you know, if they felt they weren't available, they couldn't be available to work face to face because of the, it was a killer virus in the air, and that was their prerogative. And I and I, st- I stand by that. You know, my view is that. It certainly wasn't any reason for pharmacy to jump on the bandwagon. You know, pharmacy needs to look after its own house. And we've all had that discussion with the PSNC. But this is ridiculous. This is utterly ridiculous. I mean, you know, calling for Dr. Kanani to resign is, quite frankly, it's atrocious. I mean, she sent a letter to doctors on Thursday telling them or, or informing them that, you know, telephone and online consultations are still OK. They're still acceptable. And where where patients can benefit from them, but physical appointments must also be available. And what's wrong with that? And I, I just don't see where these GPs are coming from. You know, there's nothing wrong with asking them to sort of just consider the possibility that you you may be able to offer physical if where you can offer physical appointments, you must do so. I don't think any of us will argue with that. And I, for them to call for her for her to resign is just ridiculous. And I've lost all sympathy for. It seems they're digging their heels in here. GPs very unreasonably and it's appalling it's quite frankly appalling yeah it, it the reaction is is extreme isn't it I mean the you know the bottom line is if a patient wants to have a face-to-face appointment they they should have a face-to-face you know appointment shouldn't they and that, I think that's all that um, Nikki Kanani was saying and, and maybe it's an opportunity here for pharmacies to uh, to encourage GPs to use the community pharmacist consultation service maybe and refer patients uh with appropriate conditions to, to, to pharmacy so maybe 
maybe we can turn this into a, a positive. But yes, quite some reaction there to that uh, diktat in inverted commas from, from NHSE, from our GP colleagues. Uh, right, I'll go next. Um, I'm going to go for uh, a good week for the NPA and its famous battle bus, uh, which travelled from Uxbridge to Westminster this week as part of its Boris Keep Your Promise campaign. Now, this is all to do with uh, reminding the Prime Minister of his commitment to reimburse pharmacies' COVID costs as soon as possible, uh, in the words of the PM. Um, and the MPA, of course, calling for, for fair funding for pharmacy. And remember that the, the PM said uh, that he didn't want any pharmacies to close. And so the MPA stuck this on an electronic billboard on a van outside Conservative HQ in Uxbridge and uh, and then drove it into Westminster. So it wasn't exactly the Jarrow March. Uh, in fact, someone messaged just to say it was more like the Harrow farce. And uh, well, it was a bit of a stunt. This is true, but we can't be too critical as we sent out posters for pharmacies to display uh, saying exactly the same thing. And uh, the NPA was clearly listening closely to our podcast of February the 19th when we discussed exactly this sort of campaign. So so Mark and Andrew, you, you can have this one on us. Um, well done to the NPA for at least trying to hold Boris Johnson publicly to account over pharmacy funding. Uh, still no news on COVID costs, by the way. Uh, negotiations ongoing. And this was the week that saw the resignation of PSNC regional rep Gary Myers, who sat on the negotiating team. So we await developments. Uh, Neil, what have you got for us? Well, I'm, I'm going to follow up and, and go for a bad week. And it's been a pretty bad week for the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. Um, this is based on uh, National Board, National Pharmacy Board election data, which uh, appears to show a decline in, of almost 10% in the RPS's membership in the last two years, from 2019 to 2021. Um, now, the, the election, uh, this year's election, according to the data, saw 22,679 ballots issued, uh, and that's down on the 25,117 ballots that were issued in the last election, in 2019. So that's some 2,438 uh, fewer ballots. Um, now, given ballots are sent to RPS members, it uh, seems to suggest, strongly suggest, a drop, quite a quite a, 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 a big drop in membership numbers. Um, now the problem here, it's been the problem for quite some time with the RPS, is they consistently refuse to disclose the size of their membership. Um, and this is something that uh, Michael Maguire, who, who was of course elected to the English Pharmacy Board uh, this month, um, congratulations to him. Um, he picked up on on Twitter, and when he said, you know, if people um, if if people look at the membership numbers, uh, if if they had that data, that's fine. But they, because they don't, it's not really a problem in any case. You know, you, you, it's not that difficult to actually work out what the, what the membership numbers are. So what's the point of keeping it a secret? There's, there's, there doesn't seem to be any logic to to the RPS's um, approach. I'm sure the RPS will probably come back and, and cite commercial sensitivities, but you can work it out. Um, but it's also been a bad week for the RPS. Uh, not only because of the falling numbers, but because everything else that comes with that, you know, the lack of transparency, uh, because of the, the, the turnout and the turnout, the turnout was up. We have to say the turnout, the turnout, the turnout was thirteen point one percent, up on the eleven point four seven percent in twenty nineteen. The RPS latch onto that and say that yeah, that's a good thing, but it's still not not great cause for celebration. Let's face it, you know, I, I don't particularly think thirteen point one percent turnout is a particularly good 
turnout for for an election. Um, and of course, um, this year's elections, as this as this year's elections unfolded, other issues cro- cropped up. The same old issues, but they crop up again. Like, why are the three national pharmacy boards and assembly meet so infrequently? It's three times a year. And why elections to the assembly are held in the open business of the boards, but voting to the assembly remains a secret ballot. Um, and I don't know if some of our readers may have read Mohammed Hussain, who wrote a rather thought-provoking article for us uh, this week in which he said that secret voting can lead to highly unusual voting behaviours. So this should be transparency. So this it's not only the fact that their membership appears to be down, the fact that these, as, these, as these elections unfolded, it just brought back all these other issues that, that attached themselves to this. And, and these are questions that aren't, some of them remain unanswered. So it's not been a great week for the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. Yes, thanks, Neil. A puzzling lack of transparency over membership numbers, which do appear to be on the slide. 10% fall year on year, simply not sustainable. Uh, It seems to me that the society in its 180th year has a real battle on its hands now for hearts and minds and relevance. It's due to unveil a new five-year strategy soon, so we'll see what that says. But one thing is for certain, the newly elected boards, like you say, Neil, uh, which seem a nice mix of fresh faces and hard-earned experience, to be honest, well, they've got a lot of work to do. So we just have time for a quick any other business. Um, Neil, you'd like to say something about the Independent Pharmacy Awards. Indeed, yes. Thanks, Richard. Yeah, the Independent Pharmacy Awards this year is uh, in October. We hope it's going to be at the House of Commons. We're quite optimistic it will be, um, COVID restrictions permitting. And again, it will highlight the amazing work that independents and their teams across the UK do for their local communities. Um, Whether you're based in England, Scotland, Northern Ireland or Wales, tell us about the great work you've done for your patients during the pandemic. Um, And it's worth mentioning that we have a new category this year, the Extra Mile Award, which recognises the way in which independents have gone beyond the call of duty for their local community. So we, we'd like to see people enter. The more the merrier, the more the better. Um, log on to our website, uh, the award section of the website, uh, in the top right-hand corner. Um, and, and as you see down at the bottom of the page, five five categories, please do do enter. Uh, the closing date for entries is Monday the 19th of July. Um, and yeah, tell us, tell us, just shout about the great work you do. Yeah, get those uh, get those entries in uh, it's a fantastic scheme it's always good to highlight the uh, the wonderful work done by by independent community pharmacists so yeah like neil says make sure you get those entries in and let's let's celebrate that that wonderful work that uh, the independent sector carries out so that brings us to the end of this week's podcast and my thanks to neil and arthur and also our podcast sponsor aronix from dr reddy's all the Talking Pharmacy podcasts are available to download from the Pharmacy Magazine website or your usual podcast provider. And please rate us, review us, tell your friends and colleagues, everyone's welcome. We'll be back next week, but for now, from all of us, thanks very much for listening. Uh-huh.